Welcome to the Nine Moms Podcast. My name is Phineas, and this is my mama's podcast, and, and here she is. In today's episode, we hear from Rachel. She'll be sharing the births of her two little ones. Her first birth took place in Australia and her second one took place in New Zealand. Rachel is from New Zealand originally, but spent a few years or quite a lot of years, I think, living in Australia. So she'll talk us through how how it was giving birth in Australia and how she navigated finding her care provider and um, support in birth in Melbourne and later on she'll be sharing the birth of her son which took place in New Zealand and this included a move from Australia to New Zealand within her pregnancy and also during the pandemic during COVID-19 so she's going to be talking us beautifully through those two births um, I'm really excited to share this story with you guys Rachel is a beautiful storyteller and um, I hope you guys really enjoy this episode as much as I loved um, recording it all right here's Rachel so hi Rachel hello and welcome to the nine months podcast hi yeah <laughs> all the way from New Zealand it's really nice to to speak with you today. Um, do you want to start by introducing yourself and telling us who's in your family and what you guys do? Yeah, so um, there's me and my husband and we have two kids. We have a four-year-old girl and a nine-week-old boy. Um, we met and got married and had our first baby in Melbourne, Australia. And then earlier this year, we moved to Auckland, New Zealand, which is where I'm from. My partner is from Australia. Um, I work in the theatre uh, as a performer and as a sort of arts producer and programmer. Uh, my partner trained as a visual artist and is um, he does some commissioned work and he does some kind of contract work on the side. Um, and at the moment, because we've just moved to New Zealand, I'm on maternity leave and he is working in um, on film sets at the moment. So, yeah, and we've just moved in with my mum for a little while while we find our feet in New Zealand. So we have a nana and a koro, which is the Māori word for grandfather, um, living with us as well, which has been lovely, having a new baby. Yeah, yeah, of course. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> Great. So let's start with your journey to becoming pregnant the first time then. Did you guys plan to have a baby and how did you find out that you were pregnant? Yeah, we did. Um, we I always wanted to have a baby and uh, my partner did too, but maybe not as much as me. But um, mm. we we decided to start trying when we went for our honeymoon um so that was quite fun leaving the country and leaving all the birth control behind and um, <laughs> um I did a bit of um I did quite a lot of prep on my body beforehand um I <clears throat> I've had like um irregular periods and polycystic ovaries and things like that so I had lots of acupuncture and I sort of cleaned up my diet a year beforehand because I was quite worried about whether I would get pregnant or not um, and 
so we went on holiday and then I, you know, dropped the diet, obviously. And um, we got pregnant on the first cycle. So it was super quick, really easy. <laughs> um, after lots of anxiety on my side, it was like almost too quick. So, um, yeah, that was, yeah, honeymoon baby. I mean, it's very cliche, but yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Did you guys find out on the honeymoon or? Oh, yes. Um, so, yeah, my period was late, but that was normal for me because I have, I have really long cycles. So I didn't actually think I was pregnant. I thought I thought I'd messed up my diet. And so my cycle had gone out of like gone long again, because sometimes I was getting really long cycles, like 60 days kind of thing. Um, yeah. So I just thought I, I thought it was because I'd eaten, you know, everything I wanted to eat on the honeymoon that I, you know, and so we were at Heathrow airport. We we're just about to get on the plane to come home to Melbourne and, oh no, that's right. Sorry. I'd taken a test. We were on a Greek Island and I'd taken a test there a couple of weeks after my period was due and it was negative. And so that's why I thought I wasn't pregnant. And then um, we were about to get on the plane in Heathrow and I was, I thought, when I got back, I had this crazy sort of 72 hours where I was going to have to get up in the morning after we got back and like drive down to Geelong for this training and then come back and do a show. And I wasn't going to have any time. And I had some um, Chinese herbs at home that would help me bring on my period, but um, I couldn't take them if I was pregnant. And so I thought I should just check one more time before I get on the plane, because when I get home, I'm not going to have time to get a test because I had this crazy schedule. Anyway, so I went to Boots and I bought a test and I went into the toilet <laughs> at Heathrow <laughs> and I, you know, did the test and it was positive. <laughs> wow. And I just sat there like <laughs> shaking on the toilet and then I got out of the toilet eventually and I hadn't told, I hadn't told my partner I was going to do this. He was off like getting some food or something. Um, I walked straight into Zara and bought a kimono and then, because I just needed something to distract, I don't know, I just had this strange, like, moment trying to buy something. So I bought a kimono, and then he, I, I met him again on the seats, and he's like, whoa, what's with the kimono? And I was like, don't worry about the kimono, look at this, and handed him the stick. <laughs> and so we sat there, like, in the kind of, you know, hustle and bustle of Heathrow Airport, and, um, yeah, that's... And we found out it was quite dramatic. And then we had to get on a plane um, and fly home. That's great. That's awesome. (laughs) (laughs) Taking that long plane ride just to think about it, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. That's great. So so how was the pregnancy then? Did you know uh, what kind of birth you wanted? Did you plan for something? Yeah, I didn't didn't know much about... um, birth really I mean I'd I'd been actually I'd been at a couple of births in my teenage years um I'd been a photographer at a friend's birth and I had also um been an attendant at my sister's birth so I'd sort of been around birth a little bit um and it seemed like a very kind of natural normal thing for me um to witness and be part of both the births I was at were you know you know, unmedicated, natural vaginal births. And one was a home birth. My friend's mother was a midwife. So it was sort of around me growing up. And um, when I was pregnant in Australia, I quickly found out that the birthing culture in Australia is um, 
pretty messed up really it's very um it's there's high high levels of intervention much higher than the who recommend for a developed nation um and uh there's not a lot of support for women to birth naturally i guess or without intervention or with minimal intervention so i was never i guess i didn't really think it would be um, an issue that I'd have to really get involved with until I found out that it was quite different in Australia to New Zealand where I had grown up. So, um, like, I didn't necessarily want a home birth because I wanted to be radical or super, you know, natural or anything, but it soon became apparent that actually going through the hospital system in Australia was sort of, it was like a bit of a, like filled with landmines like yeah, there was so many opportunities where you could end up with intervention and I didn't want the intervention so um I did lots of reading I did lots of research I talked to a lot of people I watched a really good documentary called the face of birth which is about the birthing culture in Australia um we ended up being booked into a hospital near our house and um, my doctor said it was a really good one and I went and met with the midwife there and I just didn't have a good vibe off her. Like I, She felt very weary and sort of over it. <laughs> she didn't seem very excited about her job and I, like, I don't blame her. She was just probably doing it a bit too long but... I just didn't feel really comfortable with her. Mm-hmm. Um, and then a friend of mine had her as a midwife and she ended up with a cesarean. And, I, you know, it just didn't, it wasn't going, I just wasn't getting the good vibes off it. Yeah. So, um, you know, I started thinking about home birth, but then home birth is kind of like a dirty word still in Australia. Um, or it's like, if you do one, then you're quite radical. If you, if you want to have one um and so and also it's expensive you have to hire a private midwife um you know it can be up to five thousand dollars or more you know so at the time we didn't have that kind of money um and but then luckily i had a conversation with a neighbor of mine who said that there was this home birthing program at one of the hospitals that was they were trialing it and it was integrated and you could, um, if you lived within 30 minutes of the hospital on the motorway, um, you could be part of this program if you were, you know, a low risk pregnancy and, you know, all that, you know there's certain safety things you have to, uh, you know, abide by um, or meet to be able to have a home birth. And so, yeah, I was really lucky. I got in touch with them and they had space. And so I got into this program and then from then everything just kind of was much more relaxing for me because I knew that um, if everything was um, uncomplicated that I'd be able to birth at home and I had a much greater chance of you know not having an intervention and even if I was to go into hospital I would be with a home birthing midwife who really advocates for women to be able to push out their babies you know and obviously if you can't you can't and if you need the medical intervention it's there for safety you know so um yeah so I got into that program the pregnancy itself was pretty pretty straightforward I didn't have any real complications Mm. um yeah it was very box tickingly normal yeah um yeah 
Is there any standard yeah. testing or anything that is maybe different in Australia and New Zealand or something that you opted for or maybe opted out of or anything like that? So how, how does that look like? Yeah, I mean, you have the you have a few scans. You have your dating scan. There's a, a 12-week and a 20-week. Um, there's the, there's a, um, what's it called? It's, it's like a genetic testing that you can do quite early on, which is a blood test, and that can check for chromosomal um, variations. So things that might lead to like Down syndrome and other um, syndromes. Um, and that is not compulsory. It's encouraged, but it's not compulsory. But I did that. Um, that's a that, that's just a blood test. And what else was there? I had to to if, um, to be allowed to do a home birth. I had to do like a blood sugar test, right? Or a glucose test, or something. Where yeah. I had to drink yeah. all this horrible <laughs> sweet stuff and. <laughs> have a blood test every two hours or something. It was just awful. Um, uh, you had to sit there for like four hours and drink like half a litre, or not half a litre, but like a cup of like this thick sugary yeah. syrup. Yeah. Yeah. And then have a blood test and then do it again a few times. It was pretty awful. Um, but I passed that one. Um, I, can't, I can't think if there was anything else. No. Could you talk yeah. us through how how the home birth um, system works there? This program that you were in. Yeah, um, they the midwives. I think they came around to our house once when we were getting closer to the due date, just to check out, you know, the house itself, and you know, practice coming there and entering all that kind of stuff. Um, they brought us a pool, a, a, like a blow up bath pool thing. Um, that we could use and they also brought things like an oxygen tank and um, there was some some things in a freezer box I don't even remember what was in there but I guess it was things to give to the baby or things that they could that they might need mm -hmm. um, and I think the rest of the stuff they were just going to bring on the day um, they asked us to source like 20 old towels and you know get some tarps and kind of prepare the house for the messiness of mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> giving birth. Yeah. Um, yeah. That was, that was all we had to do. Yeah. Okay. Should we, yeah. should we jump into the birth mm. story itself then? Yeah. Yeah, sure. So, um, so yeah, so everything had been going pretty fine. I was, I didn't really stop working. I decided to, I was going to stop working, but then I couldn't because the theatre company I was working with, we were recruiting, so we needed some more actors. And so I was a big part of the process of recruiting actors. So I was planning to stop work. And also I'd been told that because it was my first baby, I should expect to go over by like seven to 10 days. And so um, I was 39 weeks and I was at an audition in the evening for some actors and um, and we were taking a break. We were in an old church and we we're taking a break. And I went out the back to use the toilet because the toilet was like a little outhouse outside. You had to go into this courtyard and then go. Anyway, I, I sort of, on the way out, I walked into this brick wall, like the corner of a brick wall by accident because I 
I was really big. My tummy was really big and I kind of misjudged <laughs> how big I was. And I sort of bumped into this wall and kind of went, oh, whoops. Ah, oh, I hope the baby's okay. But I was like, I'm sure it's fine. You know, there's lots of fluid in there. And then I went to the toilet and then I came out again. I went and sat, I was, went back inside and I was just standing there talking to someone and I felt a little bit of, um, like a little bit of discharge. I was like, oh yeah, that's normal. You know, you get that in pregnancy. And then there was a little bit more. And then a little bit more and I'm going, oh, hang on, this doesn't feel good. So I was like, do I need to do more wee? So I went back out to go into the toilet and then there was somebody in there. So I just had to stand out in the courtyard and I was talking to one of my colleagues and then suddenly just like more and more and more came. And then until it was this kind of gushing, like I was doing a full big wee, like in outside and it, you know, and I said to him, oh, I think my mortars are broken. And then, um, so then uh, him and my other colleague who just came out of the bathroom, they sort of uh, panicked and they sort of, we went, we sort of rent around the corner so no one else could see me because we didn't want these auditionees to yeah. <laughs> witness this, <laughs> this moment. So <clears throat> um, I went around the corner, kind of hid for a bit and they took everyone back inside and we decided that they should keep going and I'll just, you know, stay out here. And one of my colleagues came out and sat with me and she's a mum of three. So she's kind of all over it. Mm. So she sat with me outside and um, I called my partner who was at work and uh, told him to come quickly. And um yeah, and so then it was sort of just gushing out of the, <laughs> I sat on a plastic chair and I'm sort of filling up this, you know, courtyard with this liquid. And I called the midwife and she said, okay, um, is there any green in it? Uh, you know, like a sign of meconium, which is, you know, poo. And um, so because it was dark, um, me and my colleague, we had our phone torches on and we were like shining it on the floor, trying to see if we could see anything green. And she's like, no, no, there's nothing green. I can't see anything. We're like, no, no, it's all good. So um, she was like, okay, just, you know, go home and, um, you know, call me when you're in labor sort of thing. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> all right. um, so my partner picked me up and we, um, we rushed out of the church and, um, the church ladies, there were a few church ladies there and they were a little bit upset because we'd use some of their tea towels to kind of like, you know, as like little pads for me. Oh. And they asked me on the way out if I would like return the tea towel. And I'm like, <laughs> don't worry, I'll replace them. But also, why are you worried about that? <laughs> like, it's just tea towels. Yeah. Anyway, oh, I God. had full intention to replace them, but I never did. So mm. there you go. I mean, get over it. It's yeah. Tea towels. Exactly. So anyway. <laughs> Yeah. So anyway, we got out, um, my partner took me home and, um, yeah, we went home and, uh, he started pumping up the pool and I lay down and, uh, my midwife had said that I should still feel movement as normal. And I lay down and I, I couldn't feel movement or not much, not, not as much as I had been. And it was sort of quite big spaces between feeling the movements. Um, and I, I started to get a little bit worried, especially because she'd said, call me when you're in labor sort of thing. Cause I'm like, well, how long's that going to be? You know, like what if something goes wrong between them, you know, and it's getting to nighttime and I don't know, I didn't want to be calling her every five minutes and annoying her cause it was, you know, getting on like nine or 10 at night or something. And, um, so my partner went and got some pizzas around the corner from our favorite restaurant. So I got to eat my favorite pizza 
and prepare myself, get some energy. Um, and yeah, he sort of prepared the pool and started getting the house ready. And I went and lay down, had a shower. And then I went to the toilet and um, I saw a little bit of like green on the paper. And then I got a little bit worried about that. And so I called my midwife again. It was about midnight. And I just said, look, I'm not feeling much movement. Um, I can see some green. And she said, why don't you go into the hospital and they can check you. They can check the baby's heart. They can check you. And if it's all fine, then you can go home again. And I was like, that's a great idea. That would make me feel heaps better because I don't want to be taking any risks here, you know. So um, we hadn't packed a hospital bag, really, because I was thinking I had two more weeks to go. So we kind of threw some stuff in a bag and went out to the hospital. Um, and, yeah, that was an interesting process because we had to go through the emergency department because it was late at night. Um, so we're sort of standing there with all these people with kind of, you know, injuries on their bodies and you know blood and stuff and people waiting you know what emergency rooms are like they're pretty gnarly and um they took me through and um checked us in well, what's it called when you get checked into hospital I can't remember. Uh, um, like triage triage or something yeah, yeah yeah they took us down to the maternity ward and um the so we, I, I got laid down on a bed. Um, they hooked up a fetal monitor and um, the nurse or the midwife who was on, on duty, she looked at my pad and she said it was, it was covered in green. And she was like, yep, that's Mick. Mick, you're not going home. Like, that's it. Home birth is over. Because if there's meconium, no home birth. So um, at that point, I was pretty devastated that we weren't going to be going home um yeah so that was the first kind of hurdle that we had um uh, the baby's heart rate was fine at that time so that we, it wasn't like an emergency situation but we weren't allowed to go home so um they left me for a bit they said they'd just see if I go into labor on my own but they also said if I didn't in a couple of hours that they would strongly recommend an induction <clears throat> and so I was like, oh, God, you know, I didn't want that either. So already, like, one thing I can't have now, I can't, you know, now I'm going to need the other one. Yeah. Um, and then they checked my cervix and I was two centimetres dilated. And that was another blow because, like, in all the reading I'd done, you know, you don't want to be in hospital at two centimetres because, you know, you want to basically turn up when you're about to push if you want to avoid intervention. So I was like, oh, I knew, you know, this is not what I, how I wanted this to go. Um, and then the midwife also who was on the ward, she wasn't from the home birth program. So there's a bit of a divide in this hospital between the home birth midwives and the hospital midwives. The hospital midwives are a bit more status quo, you know. And she was quite gruff. She wasn't super empathetic. She wasn't very nice. Um, and then someone else came by and said to me, oh, well, you know, one in, one in three first babies is a caesarean and kind of walked off. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, you know, great. You yeah. know, this is, 
you know, after all the prep we'd done, you know, all the kind of reading and breath work and all that stuff, you know, it was, it was just, yeah. So um, <clears throat> we stayed there for a little bit longer and then they eventually called in my midwife, my home birth midwife, and um, I was having mild contractions, but nothing very strong. Um, but when she came in, we got to move down to a birthing suite. So we got out of the sort of main ward area with the sort of grumpy midwives and we got to go into a suite with just us and our midwife. So that was nice to get our own space back. Um, and <clears throat> they had a little fold down chair. So my partner could, oops, had a fold down chair. So my partner could lie down. It was about two or three in the morning by this point. Um, and my midwife said she'd give me a bit more time to see if I went into labour on my own. Um, and uh, yeah, so then they lay me on a bed and I had like a heart monitor on my tummy. And um, it was wireless one, so I could walk around. So that was good. Um, so then by early morning, like five o'clock, I was having some contractions, but like very, very mild, nothing very exciting. And my midwife at that point said that because of the meconium, the doctors would want the baby out within 18 hours. And she also said the baby's heart rate wasn't completely constant and I still wasn't feeling much movement. So she, re she, she said it was up to me, but she recommended very strongly that I be induced at that point. Right. So can I, can I um, ask you, stop you there for a moment, yeah. just ask about, um, so this midwife is your home birth midwife from the home birth program. Yeah. So they yeah, were allowed yeah, to yeah. come with you and be with you then, and you didn't have to deal with the other yes. one or, or how does that work? No, because, because the program is within the hospital, mm. the midwives are still employed by the hospital. They're just a different team of midwives. Okay. So they are, they are with you, whether you are at home or, or in the hospital. Oh, that's really nice. So yeah 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 so they will be wherever you are kind of thing and if you can be at home they'll be with you at home and if you have to come into hospital they'll be with you there oh that's really great yeah great yeah it was good however <laughs> the one i had on the day was not the one was not one i had met because oh. they work in teams and i had met i had met my main midwife and her backup midwife and then the day i went into labor my midwife was on leave and the backup midwife, midwife was, you know, having a day off or something. So mm, <laughs> the one who came in, I'd never met her. <laughs> but um, she was lovely and I, it was actually fine. And I think knowing I could assume her, her sort of ethos and her position on birthing because she was in this program, because she was one of the home birth midwives, I didn't have to wonder what kind of you know advocacy or you know um how much she would be supportive of a you know natural birth i sort of knew that we were i knew that i could trust that she her and i would have similar views i think mm. um, so i wasn't it wasn't at all stressful she was really great yeah <clears throat> um yeah so they yeah, and unfortunately, also when I agreed to the induction, as as they're hooking me up, it was Syntocin, which they put an IV drip in my hand, you know, attached to a pole with a bag and a cord, you know. Yeah. <laughs> all these things I didn't want. So that ruled out being able to go in the water, you know. Um, I had to do it 
out of the water. Um, and as she's hooking me up, she said, I don't know why she said this, but she said, you know, just so you know, now that we're inducing, the cesarean um, rate is 50%. Oh, why do they say these things? I always wonder I why people know. have to say these things. <laughs> I don't know why she said that. Oh. Um, and so at this point, I was sort of really in a corner, you know, like in terms of what I wanted. And so I think in my mind, I just went, right. I am going to work. I'm going to do everything I can do to make sure I can, you know, even though I've never done it before, I'm going to do everything I can think of to dilate and descend the baby and push it out. And the things that I have control over are my breathing, my um, affirmations and my visualizations and also my movement mm. and my positioning. Yeah. So that was all I had left to work with because um, I had to almost work against my environment, you know, the way I was going into labor. Um, yeah. Um, because all those things were not how I had wanted it to go. Yeah. So, um, you know, she was, you know, just dialing up the level of syntocin and, you know, to make the contractions kick in and then strengthen. Um, she said they'd do it slowly so that I didn't dilate too quickly. Um, and they started at about six in the morning. So yeah, I had like two monitors on my belly, a tube running from my hand onto a pole. So when I had to move around, you know, my partner had to push this pole around with me and the monitors kept kind of flopping off when I moved. <laughs> it was pretty awkward. Um, yeah, but I, you know, I went into labor, I started to have contractions. Um, they escalated very quickly because of the synthetic nature of the um, syntocin I was had. Um, and yeah, I, I mean, it just kind of, I just kind of breathed through it. I'd read some, I'd read some hypnobirthing books and, um, I'd watched some, you know, things around breath work. So I was working with the in through the nose, out through the mouth yeah. stuff. Yeah. Um, as much as I could and I was moving around as much as I could as well to try and get different positions um, my partner was really great he um, he we had I think another great piece of advice we had was to get like a, a drink bottle with a straw so that you don't have to tip up a cup because you just don't have the energy so he filled he was keeping my water bottle filled with hydrolyte which is just like a you know hydration thing you put in water and he's sometimes he was feeding me little like um you know little pots of fruit like tinned fruit that mm. he found in the hospital kitchen <laughs> as like a little reward for getting through a contraction and oh, he kept nice. me laughing while I could laugh mm. um yeah um and then at about 7 30 when the hospital opened he went and got the stuff out of the car and kind of moved it into the parking lot because we hadn't we just thought we were going home so we kind of left everything in the car so he went and got all that stuff and um and then there was a shift change a midwife shift change in the morning and so I had a new midwife at about half past seven this woman I'd another woman I'd never met yeah. came, <laughs> came in. um but and she was really young she was like younger than me and I, I was like uh-oh but 
the moment I looked at her, she had this amazingly confident gaze and I just, I felt really comfortable with her right away. And she turned out to be really amazing. So um, she was great too. So yeah, I mean, as, as the contractions intensified, I you know, vomited and I vomited again and I vomited again. And um, my midwife said that was good because my body was prioritizing um, labor over digestion. So, um, uh, yeah, it, it's all a bit of a blur at this point, you know, how it all went because it, it got intense pretty quickly. Um, but I was working, there was a few things that worked for me. Um, I didn't like being touched during my contractions, but I really liked it between. So I sort of made that clear to my partner and my midwife as I worked that out. Um, I didn't really look at anyone. I kind of, I, I was listening to people and I was really appreciative of the coaching I was getting from my midwife and also the support I was getting from my partner, but I didn't want to really look around. I was just really just closing my eyes and keeping with my breath, keeping with my body, trying different positions, um, resting when I could, um, and really visualizing, like visualizing um, just getting huge. That's what I kept saying to myself. I'm going to get huge. Mm -hmm. And just kind of visualizing like a widening and an opening and a, like a really big, you know, I knew what 10 centimeters was and kind of bigger than that, like a giant grapefruit kind of mm -hmm. size. Um, and I had a few mantras like... Um, to relax my draw my jaw um to think uh you know kind of observing the pain rather than really going into it as a as a, yeah, sort of I don't know, almost like watching myself in a way or um it's kind of like a meditation technique isn't it um but also this thing I read in a really cool book was like, it's only stretch receptors. So, you know, it's painful and it's intense, but it's only stretch receptors. And this is my body working, um, working and really strongly. And that's all it is. It's not, um, there's nothing wrong. This is normal. You know, this is a body that is opening wide. This is not, um, this is not a disease. It's not a sickness. This is, um, this is what my body's designed to do, essentially. So, um, yeah, flowers, like opening flowers, like all that stuff. Like I was just going through these images in my mind and saying these things to myself um, to kind of get through and, and breathe and breathing, breathing, breathing. Yeah. Um, and then uh, what happened? Uh, you know, I went into the shower or I used the toilet a few times. I kept changing um, and I used my voice quite a lot as well, um, kind of moaning and just getting low sounds. Um, and then it's sort of around eight or nine, so a few hours in, um, the fetal heart monitor that was around my waist started sort of coming off. And so the midwife suggested they put one on the baby's head. So I had to get up in the bed and they kind of stuck the little metal thing on the baby's head. Um, and at that point I was six centimeters and my midwife reckoned that was awesome, but I wasn't that happy with that. <clears throat> so, um, <laughs> uh, I just sort of 
again, almost, it was almost like I had to block out anything that I thought was going to derail the birth that I wanted and just kind of double down on my visualization and my breathing and my kind of affirmations to myself and kind of, yeah, just block out anything that was going to throw me. Mm. Um, I vomited a lot more and then a nurse was sort of hovering around me and, you know, this bile was coming up and, and she said to me, oh, do you want some, um, I can give you some anti-nausea medication. And I was like, oh, you know, surely there can't be anything more to come up. Like, what's the point in giving me anti-nausea now? I'm, I'm basically vomiting, the, you know, bile. There's nothing in my stomach. And then she said, oh, look, I'll just give it to you. And she sort of started coming near me. And I think because I'd been, I'd had so much more, you know, things hooked up to me than I'd ever wanted. Hmm. I just kind of barked at her. I just said, no more drugs. <laughs> and she sort of backed off and <laughs> like, kind of ran away. Because <laughs> um, I just, I just didn't want anything else to go into my body. And yeah. um, at one point my midwife offered me some gas and, I was sort of like, I don't know. Like, I don't, I, I didn't answer her. I, she said, you can think about it. And she didn't ask me again. And I was really grateful for that because I didn't need it. I wasn't looking for, I wasn't looking for a way out of it. I was, I knew that I had to go through this experience. I had to go through this pain. Like that was my only way to get to where I wanted to go. And mm. I didn't want to be saved by anything. I just wanted to get there. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I, I didn't ask for any pain relief. That was the only time I was offered it. And, you know, she, luckily she didn't offer it to me again because I didn't even want to talk about it. Like I didn't want to have to think about whether I wanted it or not um, because I didn't want it, you know. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Um, then what happened? Um, yeah, it's a bit of a blur at this point. I think the, <laughs> yeah. the monitor came off the head and I had to put it back on but anyway um at at about 11 um, I needed I wanted to push and my midwife said to go with it um and uh this was where I got a little bit worried because some of my friends had got to this point and then the baby hadn't descended and then it had had to be a cesarean so this was where um I started to get worried again but anyway I just then then so then I doubled down on the you know push the baby down, my baby's descending, you know, going with all that stuff, trying to widen my hips, widen my pelvis as much as I can, getting into those like really wide squats and legs to the side and down on all fours, that kind of stuff. Um, and then uh, my midwife told me to stop pushing because I don't think the baby wasn't descended enough and also the baby's heart rate was slowing. Um, and that was really hard having to stop pushing when all of my body wanted to do was to push. Um, sometimes I pushed anyway, cause I just couldn't help it. And then I worked out that if I, um, if I kept breathing through the contraction, I didn't push as much, but when I stopped breathing, like when I held my breath, my body just kind of bared down. So I just had to keep the breath flowing through those ones. Um, and then eventually I went to go and change position again. I suggested going to the shower again. And then my midwife said, no, actually, can you just stay here? Because um, I think you should push again. And so um, I was down on next to the bed and I was kind of squatting next to the bed and um, I started to push and she goes to me, oh, this could happen for a couple of hours. I was like, hours? No. <laughs> what? <laughs> 
but um anyway so I kept pushing I started pushing or I got to push which was really nice um and but I was also at this point I was really determined like if this was my chance to push I was going to really go for it so I was pushing probably harder than the contractions were suggesting you know like I was pushing past the contractions and um I sort of came to a little bit and the contractions spaced out and then I got worried that the drugs had you know midwife said she couldn't up the drugs anymore and I worried that it was going to stall at that point um but she just said just push and so I was like okay I'm just going to push and with every contraction I just I pushed and pushed and pushed at one point um I pushed so hard and I just heard my midwife in my ear just said to me more <laughs> and I was like oh like can I can I push is it possible can you push more than I've just pushed like I've just pushed what I thought was the hardest I've ever pushed and so um you know I did a poo and you know all that stuff happened and you know my partner had to clean it up and that mm. was, you know some got stuck in my toenail and like gross, but it was like whatever you just got to keep going yeah um and then I at one point to get more what my midwife wanted more I, I put my hand over my mouth and I just so I kind of couldn't breathe out and I just like pushed as hard as I could possibly go um my midwife also said to me at that point to use because my voice I was using my voice a lot and she said to me um put that energy inward now so instead of pushing out with my voice let that energy that you're putting into your voice direct that in and down and that was really helpful to me because I felt like yeah I just had a bit more energy going into the pushing than going out of my mouth um and then um and then uh my partner and the midwife got quite excited because they started to see the top of the head and that was really encouraging to hear their excitement um and that that sort of gave me that that drive to keep going um and I could feel the pressure descending and then it felt like there was this huge ball like right down in my vagina and um <clears throat> and then my midwife kind of called for blankets and she said I was going to have a baby and um but to listen to her instructions and when the head started to come out you know this burning sensation like from the back right around the sides and really far forward like more forward than I thought and I was like oh there that's the ring of fire that you know that's what that is I'd read about that and I was like wow that is a really intense feeling um and it sort of yeah it sort of stunned me to feel that and then um she then she told me to stop pushing at that point so the head could kind of slip out um and yeah and then the baby crowned and or came out and uh, my partner later said that after the head popped out um our baby was kind of just like looking around like her head was out and she's just like looking side to side oh, wow. um and then uh yeah and then I guess I pushed a few more times and um the shoulders came and then this this huge body came it felt like a dragon had come out of me it was so long I thought it was like has she got a tail like what is this I guess it was the cord but at the time I was just going how big is this child um 
and um, at that point, so we had, we had, we didn't know the gender or the sex of our baby the whole way. We didn't want to know, we wanted it to be a surprise. And at this point, when I was birthing, a whole lot of people ran into the room because that's what happens in hospital. You know, the obstetricians come in, the doctors come in, more people come in just in case, I guess. Um, I wasn't aware because I was facing the other way. So I was kind of like spread eagle with my back, my kind of open butt to the door. And I heard all these people rush in and I just heard someone go, whoa. <laughs> and... Um, and yeah, and then when the baby came out, um, someone said, what is it? And my midwife said, we don't know. And I think that was code for like, don't say anything. But she didn't say, don't say anything. And this man who I never saw, I don't know who it was because he was gone by the time I sort of came to, goes, it's a girl. Aww. And at the time I was like so disappointed that that had happened. Yeah. Um, but also I didn't want to like ruin the moment because this was the birth of my child. So I, I didn't want to kind of turn around and punch him in the face, which is what I felt like doing. Yeah. But, um, or yell at him. But um, yeah, it, I, I sort of let it go at the time. But later I was quite upset about that. Yeah, <clears throat> understandably. Because like, <laughs> yeah, we'd worked really hard to not know. And then just this faceless, nameless man I never met kind of just yelled it out I think he was just excited but yeah. I was yeah it wasn't great yeah. so um yeah they when she came out they had to clamp her cord quickly cut it quickly she needed a little bit of help they took her over to a table and then I'm like worried but they said she's fine she just needed a bit of jiggling or something to get started um and then they got me up on the bed and then she came over and um yeah, uh, she was just kind of looking at us and she didn't really cry. She was just really calm and me and my partner just kind of stood there stunned and had a kiss and just, yeah, just sat there looking at her and um, she lay on my chest. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. 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 I'm tearing up a little bit over here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's beautiful. That's yeah. Good. So how was... Um, how was that immediate postpartum then in the hospital? Yeah, it was fine. I, I tore, so um, people came and like sewed me up. Um, it was it was kind of funny. Um, this woman, you know, she's looking between my legs. You know, we're adoring our little baby and you know, amazed and stunned. And she's like, um, "So I'm just going to give you seven little bee stings on um, little injections. Seven little. It'll feel like seven little bee stings." you know as like the local anesthetic I'm like great seven bee stings on my swollen vagina thank you very much <laughs> like, great up for it yeah. so um and then you know then they had to sew me up which was kind of weird because I could feel it but I couldn't it didn't hurt it was like being at the dentist but for your vagina it's kind of a weird feeling um and then they also had this kind of student or she wasn't a student but she was a new grad and she was doing it and she was really slow because she was learning and then she had to get her boss to come and check and then she'd done something wrong so her boss had to kind of redo it and they took so long that the anesthetic wore off oh. so then they had to like sting me again and then <laughs> it, just, it went on for a little bit too long and I got a little bit impatient with them because by that point you know I'd worked so hard and I was so exhausted I just wanted to be left alone you know I just didn't want any more prodding and poking um, and she finally finished and then this was like 
the, the best bit as she's about to leave and she's like oh sorry just one more thing I just need to put my finger up your bum <laughs> like, great great yes okay there's one hole that no one stuck anything up so I don't know why she did that I think she was checking the tear or something or they put some like painkillers in it I don't know anyway I was like fine whatever stick your finger up my bum I don't care <laughs> um so yeah anyway so we got um we spent a few hours in the in the room and I had a shower and um we went up to the ward I was in a shared ward <clears throat> um yeah my me and my partner just kind of debriefed and stood there shell-shocked and adored our little baby and we couldn't believe she was ours and um eventually you know because he'd been up all night as well he went home to get some sleep and um I spent the night in the ward with unfortunately because it was a shared ward the woman next to me was quite loud she was watching tv and like kind of a bit disruptive and so it was it wasn't a very peaceful night but I couldn't sleep I just I didn't want to sleep I just kind of watched this baby all night and I just there was I was by a window so I remember watching because uh, she was born at lunchtime so I watched you know the sunset and then I remember watching it rise again and um, you know I was just with her all through the night um, and it was a really beautiful night actually even though it was noisy and disrupted um, you know there was a few moments where she just really held my gaze for a long time and I, we just really started to connect so yeah it was actually quite lovely um, and then my partner came back in the morning and yeah we could go home after I'd done a wee or something they measured my wee and um, then they said I could go home <clears throat> so we went home about lunchtime the next day yeah yeah and how was it how was it coming home um yeah it was it was good um I mean the stitches took a while to heal there was you know bleeding for a few weeks and um had some hemorrhoids and things like that um so you know it's still a bit painful and uncomfortable for a while but um she was a lovely baby, very easy. Um, she breastfed <clears throat> very well. Um, yeah, um, sleep deprivation hit me at about five weeks. Yeah. <laughs> um, where I sort of, you know, crying on the toilet in the middle of the night because I just wanted to sleep. And yeah. <laughs> um, at that point, my partner had to sort of um, take a bit more be a bit more active in the night and we we did a little bit of where I could sleep in another room and he'd bring her in for feeds or sometimes I'd express and he could feed her in the night so I could just kind of sleep for a bit longer and we did a little bit of that um but yeah there was kind of there was she she is a fine baby with all her measurements and weight and everything and um <clears throat> yeah I didn't really have much complications after that luckily that's yeah. great oh that's great yeah super um so how did you guys decide that you wanted to have another one well um I always wanted two so just ever since I was a kid I just wanted to have two kids and um my partner wasn't so I don't know he didn't have that same kind of strong desire um but I just kept asking and um, at the start of last year, I just said, I really, really, really want this. Um, I can't explain it. It's not practical. Um, I can't ask you. I can't tell you everything's going to be fine. I can't, you know, 
tell you we're going to be able to afford it or it's going to work or you know anything like that but this is something that my heart wants it's something I can't ask for you in a rational way because it's not rational <laughs> it's just <clears throat> something everything in me wants and so he agreed and um, that was last January 2020 I think and so we started trying again and um, by March we went pregnant so we'd had a couple of cycles and um, then obviously the pandemic hit yeah um, and we stopped trying for a little while just because we didn't know what this all meant um uh yeah and we've never been the pen we all know about this we've never been a mum before and you know um so part of me was like this is a perfect time to have a kid like everyone's yeah. at home it's great <laughs> um <laughs> and he's like but what if this is a really deadly horrible thing and you know so anyway um which it is but it's also you know it's not hitting the children you know it's it's hitting it's well until now i guess but at the start it was more elderly and vulnerable you know people that were more at risk so um but then around about i think june we decided to start again um because we sort of realized what you know we, we'd felt out what this was going to be and um australia was relatively safe at that time so um Although I was in Melbourne and we were in the middle of this second wave, so we were kind of all locked down. You guys had a really long lockdown, didn't you? Like really a, long. It yeah. was eight months. Yeah. Eight months of you can't leave your house yeah. unless you, you know, getting essentials. Um, you can't go more than five kilometers from your house to exercise. Um, mm. Yeah. 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 Um, so, yeah, we started again in June and... We got pregnant in June. Mm. So, yeah, it was quick. Again, another quick one. <laughs> cool. <laughs> I was pretty, I was happy with that. <laughs> and how did you find out? Yeah, I knew the signs this time, right? So I um, went and missed my period and then my breasts got sore. I waited a couple of weeks and I went and got a test and I tested one morning and I was pregnant. I was like, okay, cool. Oh, great. <laughs> Here we go. Yeah, yeah. So that was pretty exciting. Um, yeah, and the first few visits of my doctor had to be kind of telehealth because, you know, at that point they were only seeing if you ever had to. So that was interesting. Like the start of my pregnancy, I was just kind of like, you know, um, talking to my doctor on the phone and my scans as well. I think the first one at least, or the first two, um, the first one, sorry, I, I had to go alone because mm. they wouldn't let partners in yeah uh, so, yeah did you opt for the same um I mean obviously during the pandemic the the care doesn't look the same but did you want a, um, the same route like trying for home birth or did you opt for something different yeah so because I wasn't going to be due until March this year they were thinking that by the time that came around the home, I think the home birth program was suspended during the lockdown, but that it would be starting again. So, but I also, when I got pregnant, I thought, hang on, we're in Melbourne. We don't have any family here. We've had a really rough time with COVID. The borders are shut. My, my mom, who's very hands-on and supportive and comes over every few months, she can't come anymore. Um, 
this is going to be really full on with two kids by ourselves. And so um, we decided to move to New Zealand at that point um, and have the baby in New Zealand. Yeah. And we'd always planned to move to New Zealand, but we kind of brought it forward because of the pregnancy. So, um, yeah. And so I did, I did contact the same hospital again and tell them I was having another baby um, because I, I needed to have, I kind of needed to cover both bases because I didn't know like if something had happened and we couldn't travel for some reason, like I'd had complications or I was high risk or something. I couldn't fly, you know, so, or if the border situation changed again, we couldn't get back to New Zealand, you know, mm. cause it was, <clears throat> sorry, it was changing like so quickly and so frequently that we just didn't know what was going to be like. So I did enroll back in the program with the Sunshine um, Hospital and that's the same one as last time. And they took me on straight away because they knew, you know, I was already on their books and stuff. And um, again, the first few appointments with my midwife was on the phone. I only met her once actually, because the first time I got to meet her in person, I went in and by that time we had booked everything to move and it was happening. And I went in and, and she's like, so let's talk about your home birth. And I was like, I'm actually not going to be here. <laughs> I'm going. But I just wanted to come in and meet you anyway and, you know, say thank you. And, and also, is it okay if you keep me until I actually land in New Zealand? Because I don't want to, like, say goodbye to this program and then something happens last minute and I get stuck in Melbourne. <laughs> so she was cool with that. She said, yep, I'll keep you as one of our patients and you let me know when you're in New Zealand and then I'll, you know, I'll take you off. And she said, don't worry, there's this huge waiting list. There's heaps of people that will be able to take your place. So that was really cool. And she was really lovely. She was like, go, go be with your family. It's a great idea. And really supportive. So, yeah. And then I also got in touch with a friend of mine in New Zealand. Her mum is a midwife. And I just said, look, could she, because I was going to be arriving at 30 weeks in the country and then two weeks of quarantine. So I was coming out at 32 weeks and, um, uh, so I hooked up a midwife before I left, who was a, my friend's mum. So that was good to kind of have that ready to go by the time we got to New Zealand. So you had a plan basically for New Zealand when you landed, you like had, um, you knew what you were going to do and what route you were going to go down or did that sort of just open up as you came or? No. Yeah. I didn't really know. Um, because I haven't had a baby in New Zealand before and you know I'd been living in Melbourne for 13 years so I was quite you know didn't really know what the vibe was in New Zealand um but when I got here I met with my midwife and man it's so different here um so like in Australia you you basically unless you hire a private midwife your relationship is with the hospital and then you get the midwife that works at that hospital but in New Zealand your relationship is with your midwife and she is your primary carer and the hospital you end up in, if you end up in hospital is kind of the one that works for you and her and, and the where there's space. So it's much more fluid. So, you know, we could have been at one hospital, we could have been in another depending on, you know, the circumstances. Um, but I, but she would be my midwife either way and, or we could be at home. So, I very quickly realised that in New Zealand, they're very keen on you being at home. It's more like the English system, the NHS. It's more 
like you know if you're low risk we'd rather you were at home anyway because that's what you, you know birthing is a normal physiological process and we don't need you in hospital if we don't need you to be there so you know it's perfectly safe to do it at home so if you can and you want to go for it so um yeah so i you know ha having had my first baby at 39 weeks i was fully expecting 39 weeks or 40 i didn't think i'd go over um my midwife was thinking the same and we were kind of all ready for a home birth again she she's a very strong advocate of home birth and she was like, look, if there's no complications, you'll be more comfortable. Also, in the time of COVID, it might be safer. Mm. Um, so we kind of prepared again. We got all the tarps and we got all the towels. And um, my mum has a spa pool at her house. So we asked her if I could labour in there as a pool. <laughs> She's like, yeah, sure. Um, <laughs> so, um, yeah, we prepared that way this time. Um, and... 39 weeks came and 39 weeks went and then 40 weeks came and 40 weeks went and then um, I started uh, getting quite stressed at 40 weeks because mm. I thought I was definitely would have had a baby by then and I was like two days after my due date or something and I was sort of in tears worried about <laughs> what was going to happen and my mother was like well you had a your waters broke the first time that means that you don't actually know how long you would have gone for you know if that hadn't have happened right so that might not have been a true indication of how long you carry and if you'd had you know seven babies you might know that you carry to you know 40 weeks and five days or 41 weeks or something um but i you know in all the books i'd read no one had prepared me for the waiting Mm -hmm. of labor yeah not one thing I had read not one birth story I'd listened to like podcasts or anything and I just it really really uh came out of the blue for me the the waiting and the not going into labor yeah um I was having very very mild contractions from about 40 weeks but so mild they're not even worth kind of mentioning um my midwife checked me and I was sort of like two centimeters dilated, but nothing was really happening. And um, I got to 41 weeks and still nothing's happening. And um, at that point I'm like reading all the, you know, how do you induce naturally? Like I was trying everything. Like I was eating spicy food. I was um, having sex. So I had me my membrane sweat couple of times I was having acupuncture every few days my partner's doing acupressure on me and massage I was like bouncing on yoga balls I was walking upstairs <laughs> drinking raspberry leaf tea I was pumping um pumping with my boobs I was doing yoga I'm squatting I'm drinking pineapple juice like meditating just doing everything <laughs> I could think of and nothing was happening and mm. I started to doubt I was like maybe my body doesn't know how to go into labor because last time I didn't do it on my own. You know, I, I was pushed into it with the, um, with the drugs. So um, my body hasn't done it before. And then, you know, I don't know. I just went into this really wild place and, you know, everyone, my, everyone in the house had taken time off around the due date and everyone's sort of like sitting around waiting. Like my mom's here. Her partner's here everyone's waiting it was easter so everyone's like at home twiddling their thumbs and 
I was getting more and more stressed and um, yeah, I got to like 41 weeks in a few days and my midwife's like, okay, we, we need a plan now because you know, we're getting closer to 42 now. Um, so she suggested I book a scan, a post-date scan, which I'd never heard of, um, to check, you know, that, that there was enough fluid and that, you know, the heart rate was good and that the baby, you know, check the measurements of the baby and all that kind of stuff. Um, and also I needed that to be referred into the hospital for an induction. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh my God, here we go. <laughs> um, but luckily this hospital that my midwife prefers to go to, um, it's so cute. It's this little cottage hospital. It's like tiny. It's kind of in the edge of the city and it's kind of just run by the midwives. The obstetricians sort of just like let the midwives do their thing. And if they're needed, they're there, but they're not running the show. So she prefers to go there. Um, and they've started this new program apparently where they give you a drink, which stimulates the hormone that starts labor. So it's not even, yeah, it's not even like the synthetic oxytocin that they stick in you. They give you something to kind of, it's kind of like, it's not like the gel. It's sort of, it's sort of like the gel version, but it's a drink. Ah, I never so, heard of that. And apparently it's very new. It's only, they've only been doing it for a few months and they said they'd had really good results with it. So I was quite, uh, you know, interested in that and a little bit relieved. Um, that I wouldn't have to have the drip thing again, potentially. Um, yeah, so we were we were 41 weeks and four days, I think, and we went into the hospital for some monitoring and to book in an induction. And when we'd had our post-date scan, the, the um, guy doing the scan had said that the baby was um, about five kilos. Wow. Which is... I don't know, 11 pounds, 10 and a half pounds or something. Yeah. Um, like give or take 700 grams. So it could have been more. Right. <laughs> um, so it was a big baby. And um, I was then I'm like getting really worried because now, you know, it was in the kind of high risk size. Um, and I went into the hospital for the, you know, for the monitoring. And I was thinking they would just be like, right, let's induce you right now. But they said, no, they, they were busy that day. And the next day they could book me in the day after. So 41 weeks and six days um, was when they could book me in. So I was like, oh, okay, fine. You know, that's what you've got. So I had to, you know, I was going to have to wait another two nights in a day. Mm. Um, we went home that afternoon and yeah, it was kind of nice, like everyone was home in my house and I made dinner for my little girl and we were just kind of hanging out and I could feel contractions happening, but I just sort of ignored them because I'd been having them for about 10 days and they'd never really led anywhere. And so I was like, well, whatever, you know, you know, come to me when it's really happening. And so I just sort of ignored it um, and I went to bed and I had a couple of strong ones, but I'd had that before as well. And I was like, fine, whatever, you know come back to me when it's strong and I just went to sleep and um I woke up at about midnight and um I was having it my, my contractions woke me up so I was like oh okay this is interesting and um uh I got up or I think I had a few contractions in bed 
and uh, they started to get stronger. And so I got up and I didn't want to wake anybody up because I didn't want any false alarms. So I woke up, I, I just got up and had some food and I was just sort of walking around the lounge and I, I was starting to have to get down on the ground to sort of breathe through the contractions or like lean on the bench and stuff like that. So I was like, oh, okay, this, this could be it. And so I went back into the bedroom and I tried to lie down again, but I couldn't, I had to keep getting up and like leaning on the back of the bed and stuff. And so at that, at that point I woke up my partner and I was like, okay, I think we're in business. Um, and so he got up and uh, he went, woke up my mom and said, you know, we might have to go to the hospital soon because we decided for hospital birth once I was 41 weeks and five days, once I knew I had a big baby, mm. my midwife was like, you know, I think it's safer if we just go to the hospital. And I was like, yeah, absolutely. And yeah. you know, it was going to, you know, I was booked in for an induction anyway, but if I did go into labor, let's just go to hospital because, you know, there's a few things going on now. Um, so my partner started timing the contractions. Um, they were very close. They were like um, a minute apart. They were 60 to 90 seconds long, which is kind of when you're supposed to go to the hospital. But I'd only been going for like an hour or two or something. <laughs> so it felt too soon. Um, I got into the spa to see if it would ease up but it just got stronger and so at about 2 30 in the morning we called my midwife and we kind of told her what was happening and and she was like well it's up to you if you want to go into the hospital or not and we decided we did so we told her we were, we were going in um I also <laughs> I also had my phone out and I was playing like a hypnobirthing playlist that I just sort of found on Spotify and downloaded so I could listen offline and um I found that really helpful just having this kind of constant really calming soothing music to sort of tune into so I didn't have to tune into anything else um so we got in the car and because we had now had two car seats in the back I couldn't sit in the back and so I had to sit in the front and I tried to sit down and oh my god it was so painful I couldn't sit normally I had to kind of turn around and face the back of this car and I had a bucket because I'd, you know, I'd already vomited. So I had a bucket just in case it happened again. And I had to, you know, drive to the hospital and it was agony the whole, the whole 15 minutes of it. Like it felt like an hour and my partner kept going, you know, there's only, you know, eight minutes to go. And I'm like, Oh my God, eight minutes. <laughs> Can you just get there already? Like I just couldn't handle it. Um, but because it was the middle of the night, there's no traffic. So it was all good. We got there quickly but long for me um then when we got into the hospital like I'd read about how labor can stall when you transition into hospital um and so I had a sort of a game plan for that I just had my phone with my hypnobirthing music on it and I was just listening to that I was I let my partner do all the talking to the you know to the nurses and the midwives on the ward and you know tell them who I was and all that stuff because I didn't want my kind of rational mind to have to do anything I just wanted to keep keep my labor going so um and that kind of helped and I, I they, it didn't stall it just kept getting stronger so that was really cool I had a few contractions like they took us to our room I had a few on the way I had to like get down on the ground in the in the hallway and like <laughs> breathe through some contractions um but then they took us into a room which was great. It was huge. There was a bathroom with a bath in it and like low lighting. So it was really nicely set up. Um, 
and yeah so and then our midwife arrived at the same time as us and uh yeah so I just I was on the bed you know I was just kind of doing my thing she sort of stayed out of the way just let us go for it and she ran the bath um and she was kind of filling in the paperwork and I was just again all the visualizations all the mantras and stuff from my first labor um and eventually the bath was was ready and so um I got in and oh my god it felt so good like as soon as I got in the water I was just really happy and I labored in there for I don't know a couple of hours I think and it was just me and my partner my midwife was sort of there but just in the background and um yeah I went really into this amazing zone in there um just I was really just feeling my body widening and opening and I could feel my cervix like stretching back and lifting up and it was quite amazing like it was very intense Mm. but um again I was watching myself from above and just kind of observing the sensations instead of feeling it as pain and um, because I'd gone into a natural labor, I had all the endorphins this time. So I mm. sort of felt kind of a little bit out of it at some point. And I was like, oh, this is the endorphins bit. Cool, man. Mm. <laughs> like, it's really, really nice to have that because I didn't have that the first time. You don't get that with the induction because it's all synthetic. Um, and, you know, I got sleepy and it was just kind of this really amazing intense experience in the bath and then um at about i don't know about six or something she asked me to get out um because i started to bear down and i needed to push and so my midwife asked me to get out so that i could use gravity to to get the baby out and um i didn't really want to but i did um yeah um and so then, you know, I'm back in the room and moving around and just trying lots of different positions. Um, uh, and she wanted to check my dilation at that point. And she got me up on the bed and she checked and I was fully dilated. And But she accidentally broke my waters. And they just kind of went gushing out of me. And I made this crazy sound. It felt really bizarre. This kind of gushy, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Coming out of me. Yeah. And I was like, oh. <laughs> and she's like, oh, shit. Because <laughs> she didn't mean to. And yeah. anyway. Um, and then uh, yeah, I was pushing, she, she wanted me more upright and sort of pushing down. And so she get she took, she wanted me up on the bed, but I couldn't get upright enough. I was sort of leaning forward. So she took me over to, they had like one of those ladders on the wall. So I could squat and hold on to the rungs of the ladder. And that was pretty, pretty good. I was there for a while. Um, but then at about I think it was about after an hour, she said to me, look, um, you know, your baby hasn't descended yet because this is your second baby. It should have happened within about 10 minutes um, of pushing. And um, it's been an hour and we're, we're getting worried about the, um, the baby's heart rate because they were checking with their little like dongle thing every now and then. Mm. And um, they were a bit worried about it. So she said, um, I'm going to, um, I'm going to have to go and get the doctor. And I said, do you, what do you mean? Are you talking about a cesarean? And she said, maybe. And I was like, shit, <laughs> again. 
and again my contractions eased off like I sort of came to and like everything kind of felt like it was stopping because I think there was a lot of adrenaline in my body at that point and I was starting to think again like my brain was kicking in and I started to get worried and um, I knew I, all the reading I did I knew that adrenaline can be a real killer for labor like a woman needs to feel safe and relaxed and if they at all feel threatened like it can kind of things can go backwards so um, she went off to look for the doctor and I at that point went okay um, maybe at this point that is the way it needs to go because this is a big baby but I'm I've got a bit of time here. I'm just going to try and see what I can do until I can't try anymore. So there was another midwife there, like a support midwife. I went over to her and I said, is there anything else I can do to open my pelvis more? Because I remember reading the Ina May Guide to Childbirth book and she had this whole section about delivering big babies vaginally. And um, the midwife said to me, yeah, you can try your hands and knees. And I remembered in that moment that that was one of the positions that they used to get the big babies out. So I got on my hands and knees on the bed and I did a few contractions that way. And I just really focused on trying to open up my pelvis as much as I could. Um, and uh, yeah, I could feel my partner next to me starting to withdraw because he was getting, starting to get worried that we were going to end up having to, you know, go for a cesarean. But so I just, I couldn't look at him because I just needed to focus on what I was trying to do here. Um, and so, um, yeah, and then they wanted me to be on the bed because so the doctor could have a look when he was coming in. And so they kind of, they got me on my back on the bed, which was really, I just didn't want to be on my back and I was kind of annoyed with them. Um, and, uh, they, they were trying to get these straps on me with the monitors and stuff and they kept falling off and I'm con, you know, having all these contractions and wriggling around and I'm on the bed and the doctor's not there. And I'm like, well, where is he? And they're like, oh, he's coming. And I'm like, well, he's not here yet. So I was kind of annoyed with them. So I ended up just being like, well, I'm, when he's here, I'll get on the bed. So I got off the bed and I just felt this huge drop and I went into this really deep squat and I could just feel this pressure again, that like ball in my vagina feeling. And all I could say was something's happening. And they rushed over and my midwife like got under me. She's looking under me. She's like, I can see your baby's head. And so I'm like, Oh, thank God. For that. <laughs> and so she's like, can you get back up on the bed? And I was like, Oh, okay. So I got back up on the bed and I felt the baby rise again. And I got, then I was like, it's gone back up. It's gone back up. And they were like, it's okay. It comes up and down. It's all right. It's all right. And so I got back on my back because at that point the doctor was coming in and I was like, okay, this is my moment. Like I have to get this baby out. Like he's, it's down. Um, I've got a chance mm. and so I, again I just pushed I was on my back I had to have my feet into one foot into my midwife's chest one foot into the other midwife's chest I was holding on to my partner with my arms on the side and I just like pushed and pushed and pushed as hard as I could and um, and then everyone started getting excited again and I could feel you know I could feel a baby coming out you know that stretching the low pressure my midwife she gave me an episiotomy at that point. I could feel some like little jabs and 
she she cut me because she knew it was a big baby. Mm. <clears throat> she was worried about getting the baby out because that's quite a dangerous moment if the baby's stuck. So, um, yeah, and they, they put some cloths like on my vagina. So that gave me lots of confidence to like keep, like just really, really push. And um, yeah, there was sort of three, there was sort of three, I could, I felt the head, then I felt the shoulders and then I felt another, <laughs> another bit. Whereas my daughter just slid out. There was like another kind of yank. And later my midwife told me it was my baby's tummy. It got stuck in the tummy because oh. he was so big. Oh. <laughs> and I had to like pull him out from his tummy. Oh, so cute. <laughs> yeah, I know. And my midwife also told me later that um, she actually hurt her shoulder pulling him out because he was so big. So he came out, he was 4.67 kilos. He was 10 pounds, three ounces. Oh, what a big baby. Um, which is <laughs> really big mm -hmm. um yeah and yeah so then uh, there's a baby and they put him up on my chest and I told them all the story about how we found out that our girl's a girl and again we didn't know the sex of our baby mm. so they were under strict instructions not to say anything um the doctor was just kind of standing at the back of the room going like yep yeah, cool you don't need me um they put the baby up on my chest and yeah, me and my partner again, we were just like making crazy sounds because that we just weren't expecting it to be like this, you know, because five minutes earlier we were all worried and we thought I was going off to theatre and then there was a baby there um, and I was so exhausted from the effort that I was like shivering and panting and I, was, I think I, my body was in shock actually because it had just been such a, such a difficult effort um but yeah me and my partner we just looked at our baby for a while and then uh, i lifted him up and we saw there were some balls and we're like oh my god it's a boy <laughs> like, so it was just a really cool moment to just discover that for ourselves yeah. at the same time yeah um yeah and he was screaming and it was you know it was just great my mother was like it's good he's practicing using his lungs and he's fine and, um yeah eventually he just kind of calmed down and yeah there he was my giant baby <laughs> <laughs> oh, so great. That's wonderful. yeah cool. and how was the how was the immediate postpartum with with him so that was pretty full-on because so I taught I had a episiotomy and then I tore some more so it was a 3A degree, they call it. Four is like when you rip right through to your to your back passage, as they say. Um, so it was a pretty decent tear and they decided that they didn't want to sew me up in the birthing suite. They wanted to take me off to theatre and do it properly. So I had an hour and a half with my baby and then I got wheeled away. Mm. <laughs> it was like those movies, you know, when you like, the patient's lying down looking at the lights going past and like you've got your feet sticking out uh -huh. at the end of the blanket and you're like because I was lying down I couldn't move I was so exhausted I couldn't even move my legs pretty much um <clears throat> and they took me off to theater I had to like sign all these things about blood transfusions and you know antibiotics and blah 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 and they took me suddenly I'm in these this like bright theater and uh, rolling on my side they gave me a spinal injection and my legs went numb and I was like oh is this what it's like to have epidural and they're like no nah, no nah, this is stronger 
And I'm like, okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, <clears throat> so I was sort of numb from the waist down and I had an IV drip in one arm and a blood pressure, you know, thing on the other. And I was sort of lying like Jesus on the bed, like my arms out and my legs down. And um, yeah, and the people in the theatre were really lovely, thank goodness. They were very empathetic. They spoke to me very gently. They were very kind to me. They sort of understood my vulnerability because I was completely naked. I just had a baby. Like, you know, I was in this really vulnerable state and I didn't want to be there, but um, they were really nice to me. And they were listening to the radio and um, kind of laughing along at certain things. And it was kind of this really surreal <laughs> experience. Um, but they, like, again, they were sewing me up and um, I had this really crazy moment where, because my legs had been lying down when I had the injection, at one point I looked and they were up in the air on these kind of like stirrup things. And I was like, are those my legs? Oh, wow. <laughs> and they're like, yeah. <laughs> and it was just so weird because it was like, I felt like my legs were lying down, but they were up in the air. It was just this really, really crazy. Wow. I almost freaked out a little bit. Yeah. Um, and I don't know how long I was there, maybe an hour or something. And then they wheeled me back into another ward. Um, for where they had to observe me for 20 minutes after I guess because I'd had quite a lot of drugs put in me so they have to observe me and and I saw the clock and it said it was 11 30 and I'd given birth at 7 30 so I guess I'd left my baby at about nine mm. so at that point I was like 20 minutes so it's 12 o'clock so that means I would have been away from my baby for three hours and I started to get a, a bit teary at that point because I just, I wanted to be back with him. Like it, it just felt so weird to be away from him. Um, and, and then they checked me for 20 minutes, you know, check my blood pressure and whatever, and it was all fine. And then they were just about to take me back and they realized I was on the wrong bed. Like they, they wanted some sides on the bed or something and they couldn't wheel me back until they had this right bed and then there was no one to go they found a bed in another ward and then they had no one to go and get the bed and and at that point I kind of I got a bit angry because I'm just like I don't want to be waiting around while you wait for someone to go and get a stupid bed like just take me to my baby like it's been three hours now I'm just like and I just kept asking them like when can I go back to my baby and um you know so and then they found someone soon after that a few minutes later and you know within about 10 minutes maybe I was I was in in a room um and they wheeled me back to a room on my own which was really nice this time so I had my own room um and and then when I got there I looked at the clock in that room and it was 11 o'clock so it had been 12 o'clock when I left and it was 11 o'clock in this room oh. and then I realized because of daylight saving they'd forgotten to change the clock in the observation room. Oh. So I'd only been gone for two hours, not three, but <laughs> I, because I thought it was three, I was really emotional. So oh. <laughs> it was just this, anyway. And then I'm in the room and there was no baby there. My partner wasn't there. And, I was, and they sort of like left me alone. And I'm like, what's going on? <laughs> and then about five minutes later, they arrived and they'd just gone to get, to get him. And they both came in and, um, I sort of grabbed them and cried a bit and 
gave him a cuddle and just like grabbed my baby as quick as I could and yeah so it was really nice to be reunited um yeah and then I guess so I guess it was around lunchtime we just again debriefed and sat there in astonishment and um eventually uh what was it my partner went home I think in the early afternoon to get some sleep again and um the cool thing about this hospital is that um, unlike the one in Melbourne, partners were allowed to come any time of day or night um, to see you. So he, because we we're like, oh, when's visiting hours? And they're like, no, anytime. You can come and go as you like. So he was able to go home in the afternoon, have some sleep, and then come back in the evening and spend a few hours with us. So that was lovely. Um, yeah and then I think all hospitals should do that yeah it was so nice because he got to go and have a rest and then have some food and yeah um yeah and then come back and I got to see him again and by the time he got back in the evening my legs had sort of come back and I could have a shower and he held the baby and I could have a bit of a sleep and you know it was just it was really lovely and then he went home about one in the morning or something had another sleep and then they came back and got me the next day um, there was one crazy moment though. It was like two in the morning that they wanted to get me in overnight, obviously, um, cause of the tear and stuff. And, um, I was just sitting there. I think I was watching Netflix on my phone or something and like holding the baby. And I had a window open because it was really hot in the hospital and I had a window and it could open. So I opened it and a cat jumped in the window. Oh. <laughs> it like jumped up onto the bed and then it came up near my head and was like kind of trying to snuggle in (laughs) with me and the baby and I'm like what the hell like what is the cat doing in here and um I had a phone by my bed and so I called the um I called the nurse nurse, and I was like um there's a cat in my room (laughs) and she was like oh okay yeah yeah cool we'll be in there in a second like not surprised at all and then they came in and they're like come on come on and they let the cat like into the ward like through the internal door into like the hallway and I guess they were gonna take it outside or something but like not shocked like this was obviously the neighborhood cat that yeah. <laughs> came into the hospital on a regular basis oh my goodness it was Spirit so bizarre babies <laughs> yeah maybe maybe yeah it was really funny oh that's random yeah it's totally random um but yeah yeah so in the morning again i'd weighed enough times and everyone was happy and um my baby because he was so big he had a blood sugar drop and they got a bit worried about that. He, they had to, they tested when they're over four and a half kilos or something, they test their blood for the glucose and he'd had a drop and they had to keep pricking his poor heels and they were all poor thing. Um, but luckily by morning they, oh, they gave him a little glucose. They swiped his gums with some gel at one point for a bit of a kick. And then by morning his levels were high again. And I, I obviously had colostrum coming in cause he wasn't, he was, not crying so he was getting something and um yeah so he was okay that was the only kind of little thing we had with him but apart from that I was able to go home and he was able to go home so we went home lunchtime the next day yeah oh and my daughter came in to meet him as well in the the afternoon he was born yeah and um yeah that was that was lovely um we had some we'd read a little bit about how to do that like 
with the sibling. So we made sure we had a present for her from him ready. And we also made sure that just before she came in the room, that the baby wasn't in my arms so that when she walked in, I could receive her and like cuddle her straight away. Right. So it was like she wasn't being replaced or something. So we, we did that and she, she was really, a, she was obviously a bit nervous, but she was also excited and, and it was fine. She came and sat on the bed with me and, and we got to cuddle with her and the baby. And yeah, she was, she was really lovely about it. Oh, that's nice. That's always yeah. a really lovely thing to introduce your older one to your younger one for the first time. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. And a little bit scary. It's like, how's this going to go? Yeah. Like, right. <laughs> you know, are you going to be okay with this? Yeah. I think because she's four, she's a little bit older. She kind of gets it a little bit more. So mm-hmm. that was a, that was kind of worked well for us. Yeah. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So are there, are there any references uh, other than the ones you've mentioned? I've taken some notes here when we've been speaking, but is there anything else that helped you uh, in particular that you'd like to share? Um, yeah, some of the resources, um, like the best book I read was by a woman called Rhea Dempsey and it's called Birth with Confidence and she's an Australian midwife and she gets she gets how hard it is for women in the Australian system and how being told to just breathe isn't going to cut it because you're also working kind of against the system. And if you want a a natural birth, you, you kind of have to be a little bit, she calls it savvy. You have to be a savvy woman and you also have to be really, um, you have to know your own pain thresholds and be really real about that and know that if you don't have a high one, that you know intervention is possibly right for you but if if you're ready for if you if you can kind of prepare yourself for the intensity and not kind of wash it over like it's this beautiful thing that just comes naturally to everyone you know that it's actually really hard and it can be very painful um she likens it she she has this great metaphor that really helped me which was she likens birthing to Um, high performance to like a high performance athlete so a birthing woman is peak performance physical labor and she has this great metaphor of um, um, Kathy Freeman who's an Australian runner who won the gold in the Sydney Olympics in 2000 and she's like when you see those athletes at that the peak of their careers or, you know, marathon swimming or any, any full on um, sport when that person is like in pain and hurting and struggling and, you know, gasping for breath, what is the audience doing? What are the spectators and the coaches and the trainers doing? They're cheering them on. They're going, yes, you can do it. You know, when that person can't go any further and feels like they want to give it, Everyone's there going, go, go, you can do it, you can do it, you can do it. But, and she likens a birthing woman to that kind of level of, of physical performance. Yeah. But our birthing culture sees a woman in that state and goes, oh, you poor thing, we can take this away from you. Here, here, here's, you know, this will make it easier. You don't have to suffer. You don't have to do this, you don't have to do that. Mm-hmm. And kind of, and do, we don't cheer our women on and push them along we we sort of try and 
we pity them. Yeah. And all the culture does. And so um, for me, that really helped just preparing psychologically for like, just to, just to be real, that it's going to be very, very hard. And I'm going to have moments where I don't want to go on and it's, you know, um, but in those moments to have the people around you who will cheer you on, not try and save you. Yeah. That's incredibly important. Um, yeah. So that book was awesome. Yeah. That book was the only thing I read that really kind of, I feel like told it like it is. I feel like the calm birthing stuff I read, even the hypnobirthing stuff, it was all like, just breathe. It'll be fine. You know, you'll be able to do it. It's natural. It's like, yeah, it is, but it's also incredibly intense. It's the most intense thing you will do physically ever. Yeah. Um, and I needed to be prepared for that. So, yeah, there was that. Yeah, the Ina May God to Childbirth. Yeah, um, I wrote that down too. Space of Birth documentary is really good, especially in the Australian context. Yeah. Um, I listen to lots of podcasts, nine months podcast, birth hour. Um, just hearing women's stories was really cool like hearing how diverse birth can be yeah and you know things that I just had no idea could happen in birth and just hearing all, as many stories as I could before birth was really useful because it just kind of opened my eyes to how many different ways it can go yeah um yeah and that every one is going to be different and yeah yeah There's that's no the thing Every, everyone yeah. has a different kind of birth maybe similar but they're never the same yeah exactly yeah yeah um oh that's great all right i'll be i'll be sure to share all of these on your show notes page as well so people can find them as well okay cool yeah great so thank you rachel thank for you coming on and sharing thank you it was uh, good to go through that again relive it thanks for the opportunity <laughs> Yes. absolutely thank you thanks again Rachel for coming on the podcast today and sharing your beautiful birth stories with us here if you are listening in and you'd like to reach out to Rachel with any questions or anything then do feel free to send me an email at the nine months podcast at gmail.com or head to the website nine months podcast.com and fill in the contact form there you can also of course fill in the contact form if you would like to share your birth story on the podcast I'm always looking to record more and more and more and more and more beautiful birth stories <laughs> I would like to keep this podcast going there's a lot of nice reviews from you guys and I really like doing this this passion project of mine so if you enjoy listening, I'm going to keep producing these stories for you all. Now, if you have any questions at all for me, you can also go ahead and contact me or you can follow me on Instagram at 9 months podcast and um, communicate with me there. All right, you guys have a wonderful week ahead and I'll see you next week.